101.1. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. From rockets in Lebanon to haters in New York City, Canada has a pill-sized problem, and what's going on in what we call the church is apostasy by committee. We'll see how scientists have once again lost their minds, but without all this craziness, we wouldn't have any signs of the times. Our weekly peak of Bible prophecies in the world's news for Friday, December 29th, and our final show of 2023. As a new year is approaching, now might be the right time to look at new insurance for the new year. Our sponsor, Bob Johnson Insurance, a full-service independent agency featuring Erie Insurance products, can help you get that new policy you've been putting off. For a no-obligation quote, you can call them by phone at 865-922-3111 or visit them online at bobjohnsonins.com. Now, the signs are all around you. You can hear us, see us, or share us, ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question, or subscribe to our podcast when you visit thewaymedia.net, then click Signs of the Times, or you can do the same right on our Way Media app. And now, here to remind us that the only exercise lazy people do are diddly squats (laughs) is Pastor Mark, who recently took a poll and found out that 100% of the people in that tent were angry when it collapsed. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yes, that's... that's, Okay. Yeah. I like it. That's okay. No, that's good. I just just wanted to... I know you're not feeling well, so I I kind of wanted to give you uh, some help, some assistance. that's good. That's good. Yeah, and if I seem a little less enthusiastic (laughs) today, I am a little bit under the weather. Weather, not weather. uh, Weather. uh, So that's why, but I'm I'm doing fine. I'm looking forward to the show. It's going to be a great show, and there's a lot to talk about as we finish the year. It's our last show, Greg, of 2023. 2023. And so why don't you uh, give us kind of your preview yeah. of what you feel the Lord is showing you, what you're seeing in the news, what could be coming in 2024. Yeah, I want to talk a minute about that. I think we have a very tumultuous year coming up. I think it's going to be a wonderful year in many ways, but I think it's going to be very tumultuous. And I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And I think most of our listeners who keep up with prophecy and signs of the times will know why. But again, I think we have to remember there's a large spiritual event going on right now worldwide. We have to keep our eyes off of the local politics and even off of the national politics to some degree to really understand what's happening. Because you can begin to look at just the political situation of the nation or our state or whatever, or, you know, your situation and, um, and just see what man is doing. And of course, the enemy's at work in the midst of that. But this is so much larger than that. And we have to remember what is it that God says is going to happen toward the end. We're working toward a one world unified. Completely unified that Satan can take over through a man that we refer to as the Antichrist. Uh, the believers refer to as the Antichrist. Um, and he's 
trying to be God. He wants to be the king of the world, to take Jesus' place. And by the way, anti means instead of. So instead of Christ, he's the instead of Christ. He wants to he wants to take over the Lord's position. It's like where Satan said in the garden, you know, you can be like God. And Satan said he wanted to be like God because he realizes nobody can be greater than God. I mean, even though he's evil, he recognizes the truth that nobody can be greater than God. So you can be like God is what he says. And that's what we're marching toward. I think if we keep that in mind, that the world's marching toward this one world unification in all facets, government, uh, finances, uh, mindset, everything, then you're going to see what's happening because that's what we're marching toward. And Greg, as we do that, um, you know, as we've been doing that the last few years, that's why I say this is an election year. And although that is a political thing, you have to realize the demonic realm's influence in all that. Right now, Satan's got a good thing going. And that is the world is kind of marching in lockstep toward this unification of a one world everything, whether it be um, artificial intelligence. And we're going to talk today about digital passports, whether it's going to be uh, the world working together on climate uh, change and these kind of things. That's what he's trying to do is get the world working together as a unit toward this one goal to so he can take it over and rule it. So we have to have that. We have to see and recognize what's happening so we understand what's happening um, and realize as we march toward that, he doesn't want anything to get in the way. Now, God is the one that puts the restrainers on that. God is the one that um, is, is, is the restrainer of, of the enemy moving forward. But why do I say that? Obviously, coming up toward an election year, and regardless of where you stand in your position, liberal, conservative, it's not the issue. It, right now, the issue is, is the liberal viewpoint is really the one that is right in line, kind of flowing in this whole one world agenda. It just is. That's just a fact. It's not a, um, I'm not saying that in a good or bad way. I'm just saying that's a fact. And so when you come up to an election where there's going to be a conservative that is, is on the ballot, especially one that right now is leading in all the polls, I think you're going to see some radical things in the spirit realm take place. Now, man will take um, radical measures in the political realm. I get that. But this is much larger than that. It's not about President Trump. It's not about whoever. Any, anybody that's going to slow down the one world machine is a problem to Satan. Because remember, his ultimate goal is to get this one world machine running smooth as one world, and then he steps in and takes over. I'm God. I'm the king of all of it. And if anybody gets in the way of stopping that, it creates a problem. Well, I mean, needless to say, we know that President Trump is, is like leading in all polls in every state right now. Um, that's going to be something that I think Satan is going to fight against very hard. Not because that President Trump is righteous, not because President Trump is great. That's nothing to do with it. I don't care what you think about President Trump. The point is... His viewpoint is in the way of the one world unification government and the control of Satan over the entire world. He may not know that. There's arguments over whether or not he's saved, not saved. That's not even the issue. The point is, I believe with somebody leading like he is in all the polls, and now we get closer and closer to the election, something major is going to happen this year. I don't know what it's going to be. I think there's going to be all kinds of shenanigans. Now, God can stop it. I wouldn't be surprised to see a major cyber attack that temporarily shuts things down. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, maybe the declaring of a temporary state of emergency. I wouldn't be surprised to see a new pandemic be released or whatever the case might be. Because they're desperate, Greg. And it's not just when I talk about politics. People are desperate. But Satan himself, he doesn't want this thing to slow down. He wants to take over and he wants to do as much damage as he can. And again, the goal is to rule over everything. So I'm just saying, get ready. This is going to be, I think, a very tumultuous year for a number of reasons. But God promises he'll take care of us as believers. We don't need to be afraid. God's going to take care of the church. God's going to take care of believers. 
But I do think we need to be prepared. And, and I've talked before about, you know, I'm not a big one on, on all the bunkers and all that. But I think good to have a little generator, have a couple of weeks worth of food and water in case something like that happens. You can kind of think while you're making plans. I think those are always wise things to do. But I do expect it to be, I think there's going to be some big surprises coming up this year. Um you know, in, in all kinds of ways. So so that's really what's what I think we need to be watching for mostly in 2024. If I can just add a couple of things Please to that. do, please uh, do. The first one is, is that I, I want to highlight something that you said, and I don't want people to overlook this, because this is what Scripture teaches us. And I know a lot of people are looking for the Antichrist. Right. And, of course, you've always heard Pastor Mark say, you know, we're not to be looking for the Antichrist, we're to be looking for the Christ Scripture give us, gives us every indication that ch- the church will not know him as he will be revealed as the Antichrist. Right. But you said something very important, and that is the one world government. Now, we don't know how long it will be in place, but it will already be in place yeah. in order for the Antichrist to rise up within this one world government That's right. and then take out the three horns, or isn't it the three little yeah, horns out of yeah, the ten? Yeah, the other, yes. So, uh-huh. so anyway, we can't lose sight of that. So as Pastor Mark was talking about, um, you know, the, the world coming together as one, uh, that's all in preparation to cr- recreate that one world government, that revived Roman Empire, so the Antichrist can step in and, and take over. Then the second thing that I wanted to mention was, is that when you look at everything in Scripture that talks about Satan, from the garden to the very end, there's one common theme about Satan in his his I, I, I you could say his his main tool um, to get what he wants and what he will what the Bible says he will get what he wants and that is through deception yeah deceit that that is the number one thing that he uses so when we see things like climate change which we know scientifically is not true that's right but yet used as deceit he used the fear within COVID 19 to create deceit right to to demonstrate a maybe a litmus test of control yeah globally by the way fear fear again globally yeah. but yeah. but that but that fear came through deceit right so anyway don't lose sight of that as we're looking at news articles in the coming year in the things that that one world government has to be in place first and deceit will grow he, he says he will deceive the nations through pharma pharmakia right uh, and so that's that's a primary way that he's going to use that so right. let's not lose sight of that as we look at these things and not freak out we hang on to those biblical truths so we we can know what's happening and not be perplexed by it yeah and i think also again just to kind of bring this full circle around to realize that god's in control i think you know when these we talk about that i do believe there's going to be some amazing shenanigans by man and by the demonic realm this coming year because of the direction that satan is leading the world and what the lord says will happen in the last days but with that said we still have to always keep in mind don't panic God is the one who's running the show. Remember, we're not, things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Place, We've talked about that over and over. And so, um, God is in control and we need to continue moving forward. I want to give our listeners another encouragement. And, and, and this is something that's, I think really is, is one of the reasons we were so blessed, Greg, over the last three years here at Calvary Knoxville. And, and I want to warn the church about this to be aware. Satan will use fear to try to get you out of fellowship and try to get Mm. you from not doing what God has called you to do. But the Bible very clearly says, do not forsake the assembly together uh, of believers as is the manner of some. That is, some 
they choose to not go in fellowship and be a part of that. And I even want to encourage our listeners, those of you that, look, if, if you have to watch online and you're saying you can't get out, there's a reason, maybe a physical problem, whatever the case might be, that that's understandable. And I thank God that he's given us the online streaming and the radio to be able to minister to you in that way. But if you're able to function, really, God's word says you're supposed to be going to church. And it's not about attendance. It's about getting simply being among the people of God so that God can move by his spirit. It is very different being in the fellowship than just watching it on TV. And we saw what happened with this um, issue over the last three years where people just because of fear of some of it, some of it, just whatever the reasons, they started staying home. It became convenient, easy or whatever, watching online, that kind of thing. And the Bible says don't do that. It's Again, it's okay if it's a necessity or it's a rare thing. Yeah. But he warns us, do not do that as the manner of some. Don't be like some that do that. You be faithful. And, and why am I saying that? Because, again, if, if we see another a supposed pandemic or other problems, it doesn't mean that we blindly run into danger. We have to evaluate the situation first and then and then move forward. But don't let fear keep you from being obedient to the Lord. Because I, I think of the context there where it says, uh, he says, you know, don't forsake the assembling as is the manner of some. As you see the day of the Lord. All the more as you yeah, see, as the, you day. see the, yes. the day of the Lord approaches. Yes. Well, now, do you think the Lord knew that as the day was approaching, there would be plagues and, and these horrible things? Yes. Yeah. Jesus told us in the last days, plagues will increase. All these things will happen. So what he's saying is, right before I come back, you're going to see a bunch of scary things happening all around you. When all those scary things happen, don't stop going to church. Don't freak out and stay home. Don't panic. Get into fellowship. Because I'm going to be faithful to you. And God was faithful to us through that. And we saw, again, just tremendous church growth and all yeah. kinds of things in that process as we remained open and moved yeah. forward. And, and that's what God calls us yeah. believers, to walk in faith, not in fear. Uh, church life, along with his word and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, those are the four primary vehicles that God really um, in, encourages and educates and instructs and counsels his church. And church life is so important because if you get isolated – then the only person that's that's going to be there speaking to you is going to be the enemy and increasing the fear that put you there to begin with. Yeah. But when you're together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, there's there's a spiritual camaraderie and and an opportunity for essentially what uh, Proverbs tells us that iron can sharpen iron that yes. we that 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 we can get better that we can be encouraged that we can be built up and God uses that church life among believers. Uh, to do that, yeah. Uh, not that he can't speak to you directly and give you uh, something from his word, absolutely. But sometimes God will give a word to your brother and sister to share with you yeah. that you need to hear. Yeah. So I, I think we've yeah. all experienced this, Greg. There's a dynamic that happens when you're in the public congregation yeah. as compared to being home. And like I said, for those of you that have to watch from home due to some malady, our heart's with you and, and we're thankful we can provide that. But my my heart is that any of you listening, if you've made home church your home, your home, you need to get back in fellowship. Yeah. That's not really what God commands us to do. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, get into our articles as episode 292 wraps up 2023 for us. As we see the Times of Israel from December 24th telling us that the IDF carried out a wide-scale airstrike on Hezbollah as rockets from Lebanon were hitting the north of Israel. Yeah, the Israeli Defense Forces said it carried out wide-scale attacks against Hezbollah uh, targets on Sunday after barrages of rockets from Lebanon targeted multiple communities in northern Israel. The IDF said fighter jets hit military buildings, rocket launchers, and other infrastructure belonging to the Iran-backed terror group in response to the rocket attacks. It also said it opened fire again to remove threats at several areas along the border. 
Cross-border attacks from Lebanon have persisted since the outbreak of war between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip on the October 7th when the Palestinian terror group carried out the devastating assault. Now, this is key. I want to make sure our listeners know this. I know you probably heard me say this uh, before, but I'm going to say it again. The big war is up north with Hezbollah. What's happening in Gaza is the small war. And really, I mean, as far as the wars go, the big war is going to be Russia and Iran coming in. But I mean, as far as their neighbors, um, Gaza is not really a major threat. Gaza is just a real a real thorn in their flesh. There's a lot of, of house-to-house, door-to-door, hard combat, and there's going to be loss of soldiers, and we know that in Gaza because it's just so entrenched with all their tunnels and all that kind of stuff. But they're very limited in power, very limited in the scope of what they can do. Hezbollah is very different. Hezbollah has, has multiple times the uh, rockets and weapons, and the difference in Hezbollah, as we've noted in the past, is they have some smart bombs. They can guide them by GPS. They can send it straight to wherever they want to uh, attack, and so the, these are, it's a lot more effective. Basically, the, um, the missile hits its mark, and they have a lot more of them, and they're more powerful. So you think about, the, you know, they want to clear out Hamas in the South Grade, but really Israel, what they want to do, Israel does not want a war with Hamas, but they've said this, we don't want this. But if you attack and we're forced to do it, then we're going to go ahead and just go all in, and we're going to clear out the you know the the southern part of of Lebanon, you know the northern part of Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, just like we did Gaza, because that's where the real threat is. That they need to clear that out the same way they need to clear out Hamas in the south. So just be watching this next year, depending on what Hezbollah does. This could be very interesting in seeing this war expand into. Um, above northern Israel into Lebanon and some major uh, uh, ex, you know, warfare and devastation like we've seen down in Gaza happening up north. So keep your eye on it. Yeah. All right, as we come back here to America, we go to Fox News with an article dated December 25th, Christmas Day. New York City pro-Palestinian protesters. Say that three times fast. Yeah. Attempt to put a damper on Christmas while clashing with police. Please explain. Yeah, it's interesting to watch. We've seen kind of this attack on Christmas over the last few years. And again, this there's a spiritual element to this too, Greg. Um, you know, the enemy hates any celebration of Jesus Christ. He wants the himself to be worshipped. Yes. Which he's, he's actually advancing fairly nicely <laughs> in the world today. He sure is. But um, again, this is what's happening with these, not only the pro-Palestinian things as far as fighting against God and the support for Israel, but even now trying to steal away the joy of what God is doing. Again, remember Jesus said, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. He came as a baby and brought life and life more abundantly through his spirit and then his death for us on the cross. He said, Satan comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, which is what these guys are trying to do. That is to destroy your joy and to kill the celebration of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters attempted to cancel Christmas, even as the Grinch couldn't do it, Greg. They couldn't. <laughs> Look, if the Grinch couldn't do it, I don't know why these pro-Palestinians <laughs> think they can you yes. know, I mean, I mean, they did it without mortars. They did it without bombs. They did it without... And they anyway. did it without Max. That's right. Yes. And the Max wasn't there. That's right. Uh, the cancel Christmas in New York on Monday as they carried out blood-covered mock nativity scene across the Big Apple and chanted, Christmas is canceled here, according to reports. Along with chanting the cancellation of Christmas, protesters shouted, long live the infantata and the New York PD, KKK, IDF, they're all the same, and other things. These little chants... Wow. Yeah, these little chants are ridiculous. The protesters mobbed Rockefeller Center where the popular Christmas tree and ice skating rink are located, and where people go to enjoy the holiday. One of the signs being carried by a protester read, while you're shopping, bombs and dropping. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, while you're shopping, bombs are dropping, uh, the New York Post reported. Another read, no joy in genocide, which was splattered on top of a faux nativity scene, splattered with 
what appeared to be fake blood and carried on the shoulders of demonstrators. You know, the, the, the crazy thing to me, it's amazing how Satan will take what he's doing and blame the, the, the other person of it. Right. The genocide is what Hamas wants to do to Israel. That's what they tried to do in their attack in the, yes. uh, the southern part of Israel. They wanted to, they want, that's what the river of the sea is a chant that means genocide. That's what it means. Kill all the Jews from the river Jordan to the Mediterranean. To the Mediterranean. Yeah. So it is a chant of genocide. So as they're chanting, their chants of genocide of the Jews, they're accusing the Jews of, of, of genocide of Hamas, it, and they're simply defending themselves. It's so absurd. Um, it would be like somebody breaking in your house, trying to come and kill all your family, and you, you stopped them, you had a weapon, you killed them all before they could kill your family, and then everyone accuses you of being a horrible murderer, and look at this terrible thing you've done to these innocent people that were breaking into your home to rape and murder your women, your, your wife and your children. It's absurd, and um, and it's amazing. Again, it's a lot of this ignorance. The young generation doesn't know. A lot of it is spiritual blindness. Yeah. Um, but we have to continue to trumpet the truth as to what's going on here um, in support of Israel and what they're doing. Um, you know, and, and again, Satan is a master at taking, you know, things that, that sound right and magnifying. I mean, like, look, they're, they're hurting citizens. We've talked about this. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But in war, citizens are going to be hurt. Citizens are going to be killed. But it's Hamas that's to blame. It's not Israel that's to blame. Israel did not go in and attack Hamas. Hamas came into Israel over their border and attacked and killed all their women and children and men. And so they're defending themselves and now taking care of those who did this wicked deed. And the consequence is some civilians are going to be affected. So, again, but it's amazing to see the ignorance and the blindness. Um, but we expect that. Again, in the last days, we expect that because there's going to be a greater and greater attack on the nation of Israel. As Satan, again, remember, moving to that one world system yeah. like we already talked about. Yeah. Uh, part of the goal is not just to have the world unified, but to do away with the Jews. Yeah, totally. The same spirit that he put into into Hitler is the same spirit that's alive today. Exterminate them because they are God's chosen people. Yeah, broadcast live on the Deception Television Network. That's right. All right, Breitbart.com, dated December twenty sixth, uh, tells us that two teens stabbed on Christmas in New York City's Grand Central Station. Quote: I want all white people dead. Now I thought. All you wanted for Christmas was your two front teeth, yeah. And apparently, we've grown from that. Well, I wanted to remind our listeners, you know, this this one episode is nothing that normally would get your attention. Sadly, people get stabbed and shot on a regular basis all, time, all over yeah. the country. Yeah. And even if it's somebody that's white that does it to a black person, or black that does it to a white person, or any other ethnic group, that's not the issue in this article. Is why I wanted to look at this, Greg. What I wanted to remind our listeners of is in Matthew 24, it talks about in the last days, ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. You're going to see more events take place that are going to create greater tensions between ethnic groups. Um, there is a new uh, movie out. I've not seen it, but I've heard about it, and I've seen clips of it. It's terrible uh, that uh, President Obama had worked with Netflix to put out. And it really is kind of it really kind of invokes this kind of tension between white people and black people. So and, to continue to fan the flames. Yes, it yeah. kind of kind of promotes this whole civil war thing, and, and and why don't we fight with black and white? And there's kind of this whole promotion of of of, of tension and fighting, and and uh, and even interestingly enough, talks about it's kind of spurred by a cyber attack where everything goes down. You, you keep hearing a lot about cyber attacks, which kind of lets me think maybe they're planning that because in the past they broadcast what they're planning to do before they do it, and even planting seeds in people's minds and hearts about what the result might be. But again, the reason I left this is because you're going to see these types of movies, these types of events that are going to try to separate us because if Satan can get us fighting against each other among mankind, he has a lot better chance of defeating us from the spiritual realm, attacking from above while we're attacking each other from below. Uh, two teenage girls reportedly stabbed. This is horrible. 
On Christmas Day, while enjoying a meal at Grand Central uh, Terminal, I think of how wonderful it was. Christmas, the lights, two young teens enjoy. It would have been a very happy yeah. moment. The incident occurred before noon on Monday at a restaurant called Tartanary in the Grand Central Dining Concourse. According to reports, the alleged assailant, Stephen Hutcherson, 36, of the Bronx, argued with the restaurant staff over sitting in the restaurant space, at which point he allegedly remarked that the two teen girls, 14 and 16, were allowed to sit there before pulling out a knife and stabbing both of the young women, authorities said. Well, they were sitting there because they had bought something in a part, and, and, and apparently he was he, just wanting to hang out. He just wanted to hang out. Yeah, yeah. loitering or whatever. Loiter, yeah. So police responded in seconds. He, he ultimately surrendered, but I just think, of my, my goodness, I'm glad they're okay, these poor little teen girls. It breaks your heart, but here's yeah. the point. It's not that one event that's the big thing here. It is a big thing. Don't get me wrong, but that's not um, you know, going to affect a nation by itself. What to be watching for, again, is the Bible talks about in the last days, there are going to be things that stoke the tensions between different ethnic groups. And it's mm-hmm. not just black and white, it's all groups. And that's why we as believers have to be stoking the love between the ethnic groups, because that's what destroys all the, um, the, the worldly attacks and the, the worldly fleshly things that divide us. We are one in Christ and one family in Christ. And so that's where the Lord tears down those walls. Uh, but again, where Satan comes in, he's going to build those walls up. He's going to use it to cause greater and greater tension. We need to be aware of it. Yeah. That is Pastor Mark Kirk, who is helping us understand the signs of the times. It's our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. We are on WIAM LP Knoxville, a weekly radio broadcast that will become podcast number uh, 292, episode number 292, available to subscribe and listen through wherever you get your podcasts. And now... You've got mail. Pastor Mark, we've got three questions this week. Uh, the first question, and we've got a uh, an image of uh, for this question that Abby will put up on the screen for our viewers. This is from Paul, uh, who listens uh, to Science of the Times down in Seymour. Uh, this is regarding a resurrection sculpture. He says the sculptor, uh, Pericle Fazzini, designed the piece The Resurrection, which is located in uh, Paul VI audience hall and represents Jesus ascending from the explosion of a nuclear bomb. When I first saw this, I immediately thought, what is the gigantic sculpture of skulls and hands doing behind the Pope? After researching the sculpture, I did not accept the explanations of the artist's intent. To me, this seemed like Satan mocking God. Instead of Satan being thrown into a lake of fire, this looks like a defeated Christ being thrown into the lake of fire. The skulls, the hands, the striking lava, or the streaking lava, rather, uh, the feet of Jesus melting into the lake, a pained face of Jesus falling into something, uh, not being blasted out. Does this sculpture have any biblical relevance to an end times event? Is this yet one more example of the falling away of the church? Yeah, I don't think there's any biblical relevance here to this event that's here. And it's really hard to know for sure what's in this artist's mind. I read about it, too. Uh, they say it's the, the it's the weight of the 20th century threat of nuclear uh, weapons that could be used, and it's supposed to depict nuclear weapons have been used and then rising up out of it. You know, there's the Lord has kind of destroyed the work of the Lord and the work of whatever, and that's what the artist is trying to say that he says that it means. But um, again, these are this artist you know probably doesn't even know the Lord and wouldn't even know how the enemy used him. So I could say yeah, it's yeah. very possible, Paul, that the enemy did. Um, you know, use this as a picture of maybe God's inability and his weakness to stop this kind of thing from happening. Look, Jesus is on the throne. He's not going to be trying to, uh, you know, survive a nuclear blast. Um, I wouldn't make too much of it. I don't think this guy knows really even knows the Lord and knows much what he's doing. Certainly, there's probably some spiritual influence there in a wrong way. 
Uh, I think he's trying to make some kind of political stand against nuclear weapons and the peace thing or whatever. And look, you're destroying. And even Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is now, you know, dissolving in this thing or whatever. Well, we know that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is seated on the throne, will always be seated on the throne. He controls all things. And this earth will not be destroyed by nuclear weapons. The Bible's clear on that. Let me just say there may be a limited nuclear exchange. I don't know that. There could be nukes that are used. They've been used in the past. So that could happen. But this earth is not going to be destroyed. By nuclear war, the Bible says God's going to hold all things together till the very end. God himself will, the earth will be destroyed, but we see that it's God that does it during the great tribulation. And God doesn't completely destroy it. He just, again, does great damage, then restores it when he comes back. So I guess to sum it up, I would say is who really knows what the real heart of this artist is? Um, probably there is some satanic mockery very possibly in there, whether he knows it or not trying to show that even a, that, that the Christ couldn't stop it from happening or whatever. Um, but I wouldn't make much of it. And I see no really biblical significance. There's nothing prophetic about this at all. There's nothing that talks about a nuclear device going off or whatever. So again, we see the battles of the Lord and he's in control, but nothing to do with really nuclear uh, weapons. So again, I think I would just, it's just kind of an artist, uh, you know what they call it, uh, artistic license, uh, <laughs> depicting it probably yeah. as an unbeliever. The best way he knows you try to make some kind of political point yeah. and stand is how I would say what's going yeah. on there. All right, Pastor Mark, we go from sculptures to pictures with our next question from Deborah, who enjoys Signs of the Times right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And she says on the Signs of the Times broadcast, what is the story with that picture behind Pastor Mark? Yes. I'm interested in knowing the story there. No, that's a great question. Yep. That's, I'm glad you asked that. You know, nobody's ever asked that question before. No, um, that's the first. I, I forgot. I had to look and see which one it was. I've got a couple. <laughs> we have one called The Rapture. And this one, I forget the name of this one. Let me first of all give you the backstory. This is a friend of mine that did this. Uh, he's now since gone to be with the Lord. Um, and, um, Glenn, Glenn Strock. Yeah, Glenn Strock, a very, very, uh, uh, well known artist out West. As a matter of fact, very well, uh, coveted artist as far as his art. It's very expensive. Um, it, he let us, we got these at a, at a great price because he's a friend. Uh, but again, his art goes for thousands of dollars. Very well known. His, his uncle, just to give you some background here. If you remember Tom and Jerry, the cartoon Tom and Jerry. Yes. His uncle was Chuck Jones. Who, oh, who drew? I didn't know that. Who drew all the art animation work for Tom and Jerry? Okay, and so actually, back during the sixties, uh, um, when he was when Glenn was unsaved and a hippie, long haired hippie, and kind of involved in the whole drug culture, uh, Chuck Jones, uh, when they were doing um, uh, Tom and Jerry and getting all this going, he asked him to come work with him, maybe one of his artists on that and other cartoons. And so he brought him down. They went to California. He went. He went. He walked into the office, and he said, "When he went in there, he went in barefoot, wearing his tie-dyed, you know, his blue jeans and all that." And all you see, he said, "I saw these people sitting at desks." And he said, "I could never sit at a desk and do art. I have to be free and I have to do whatever I want." So he turned down Chuck Jones. He wow. turned down probably a gig that would have set him financially for. He'd have been a multimillionaire. And he's definitely gifted enough to do it. As yeah. you can see, his artwork is very, very gifted. Um, and um, and so that's that's the story behind Glenn. He ended up getting saved. Glenn was a um, Calvary Chapel pastor for a while. He actually was a pastor of the Cowboy Church. Uh, I think rather than Calvary Chapel, he became a Cowboy Church pastor, which is connected to the uh, Baptist Church. But again, he's a Calvary guy through and through. He went to church with us at Calvary there in Santa Fe. And again, a dear friend. I yeah. loved him very much. And he's with the Lord right now. But um, with that said, I, I don't remember the name of this particular one. This, If I remember correctly, I didn't get a great detail from him. It's it's just a picture of a messenger of God traveling in, in the, the clouds. clouds yes, yeah. bringing the message as if, as if with the clouds and being overwatched by the angels and this kind of thing and traveling, you know, at the speed of, 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 of Santa 
sound or whatever in the clouds and the angels watching him as a messenger and a servant of the Lord. It's kind of the idea behind that. He has another really good one. I, I wish you could see. There's a couple of beautiful ones we have. Yeah, we have one, one of Jesus asleep room. in the yeah. boat uh, with the flood waters coming in. He's sleeping. We have another one where um, the, the rapture where it shows people going up into heaven, you know, and this kind of thing. And then we have another one that he hadn't finished. He was drawing it. He didn't get to color, put the color in. He just did the actual drawing of, of, of um, Peter getting out of the boat and walking to the Lord on the water. Yeah. Uh, and we have that. We got that drawing. We we're able to to secure that and have that in our you know in our home. But it's not colored. It wasn't colored in. But it's a beautiful piece yeah. of artwork as well. Well, I was going to say a fun side note. Uh, the uh, artistry on the cover of your book, The Rapture, the Wedding right. Day of the Lord, is Glenn's picture well, of the Rapture. Well, both of the books that I've done are both. Uh, Glenn did those both. Oh, did he do the that other one too? Yes. Okay. The, the The Rapture pictures. If you get my book, uh, the uh, the the Wedding Day of the Lord, the Rapture of the Church, yeah. Wedding Day of the Lord. Uh, it, that's the rapture picture that he let me put on the front of that. And the other one, um, it, verses and issues I can't ignore, that's a picture of me holding a Bible from behind, much much younger, obviously. He drew me holding a Bible, looking at a house that had an elephant in it, breaking out the ceiling and the walls. Basically, I was dealing with the elephant in the room by looking at issues and verses that I can't ignore. So it's a and picture. And he did that, too. He did, did that, he did that okay. one just for that book. For that book. He drew that for that book. And uh, and it's funny, my granddaughter now, when she goes, we got that picture up on the wall, that piece of art on the wall that he did was original for me. And, um, of course, we paid him for it. But I told her that was me, and she points at it and goes, that's Papa. <laughs> you know, But it's a much thinner Papa from behind. He, yeah. he, 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 he flattered me in the drawing. He drew yes. me younger. and, and uh, you know. But it's, again, just a tremendous artist. I love him as a yeah. friend and as an artist. And so yeah. thanks for asking the question. You got into some yeah. personal, uh, the personal Mark Kirk point, uh, issues here of the show. So that's yeah. great. All right, Pastor Mark, our last question comes from Jeremy. Enjoying signs of the time south of us in Merville. And his question has to do with artificial intelligence and communication with those who have already passed. He says he came across this article, and he references the article from the Daily Mail for us, so you could read it, Pastor Mark, and thought you guys might find this an interesting topic to talk about, given all the chatter about AI and the Antichrist. Could this be the way the Antichrist comes back to life in Revelation 13.3. Let me first of all answer that, and then I'm going to talk okay. a little bit more about this yeah. question. It won't be the way that, that he comes back to life in Revelation 13.3. And here's how we know that, Jeremy, is that the Bible says he will he will literally be alive. It's not going to be a chat uh, AI chat. It's not going to be a, the image. The image will be there. But it says that the Antichrist himself will be alive. So he's not going to be dead and then speak through some kind of chat box or whatever the case might be, although that's a very interesting thought. But, but let me explain a little bit more about that. I don't, it would appear he doesn't really die. If you go and look at what happens to the Antichrist, we know yeah. that he doesn't really die because only God has the power to resurrect. And so and, well, he's just I, mocking it well, or imitating and, and it. And let me back this up, Greg. Let me say he, there's a chance he could die, and I'll give the explanation of that. Or he either doesn't die and they think that he died. If he, here's only God can bring life, can bring life. That's when we see with Moses uh, in Exodus. They were able to imitate, you know, Janice and Jambres were able to imitate a lot of the miracles that Moses was doing up until God created life through Moses when he brought the dirt and the sand to life into some kind of an insect, something, maybe it was life or whatever. And they went before Pharaoh and said, look, this is the finger of God. We can't create life. We can't do that. Here's our limit. We've reached our limit. We can do some of the other stuff, but we're done here. So we know that Satan can't create life. So when it says that the Antichrist has a mortal wound and then rises up, there's two possible explanations. Number one. It's a mortal wound, but doesn't take him out mortally. He somehow survives it. People think that he's dead, and there's this miraculous, he's alive, and, and the rumor spreads that he's resurrected. And then he can say, look, I resurrected even like Jesus did, so worship me, because I have the same power. 
The other possibility, which is a strong possibility, is that indeed the Antichrist could actually die and then Satan enter his body and take him over at that point. Yeah, That's a possibility as there well. You go. And so, so, so it wouldn't be chat box. Right? It would be Satan literally, wanted Moses' body, yes, so he did. there you and go. And Michael the Archangel wouldn't let him do it because yep. he could have walked back in camp and changed what God said. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it could be that he's going to allow the Antichrist, uh, or rather um, going to allow Satan to, we know Satan's going to possess the Antichrist at some point. That's going to happen. Yeah. We don't know whether or not the Antichrist will really be dead or not. But if he does die, think about it. If, if everybody knows that he's dead, and then Satan at the right moment comes and enters his body, God allows it, he raises up, boy, that's going to freak the world out. And now the, now the Antichrist will be, Satan himself will be in the Antichrist, if indeed that happens that way, which I think is a good possibility. And he's going to say, bow down and worship me. I am God. He'll say it from the third temple. I mean, from the third temple there in, mid, in the mid-trib. Bow down and worship me and those that don't, he'll put to death. So Satan himself will be inside very possibly, well, he will be for sure at some point, one way or the other, inside the Antichrist body, ruling over the world, doing what he wanted to do from the beginning, presenting himself as God. So, um, yeah, I I don't think you're going to see any of this kind of stuff take place with that. But that gives an explanation of it. I want to say one other thing before we move on from this question, because I want to warn our listeners, and I... I think it's, here's the danger of this. A lot of people are going back and trying to talk to dead relatives. And they'll tell you, I know it's not really my mom. I know it's not really dad. I've been reading some of the articles, mm. but it's just nice hearing somebody that says they, 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 they're speaking to me like mom with they, the, the computer has all the information they can about that person. Oh boy. And the AI takes it over. And from that thing, you know, yeah, like our vacation in 40, you know, in, in 63, that was so wonderful, honey. And, and they, Yikes. Can, yeah, it's freaky. Wow. But, but they, they, whatever they have, they can use. And and they say it gives them comfort to feel like they're talking to their dead loved one. That is so dangerous. Number one, God forbids us in speaking to the dead. God says, do not do that. Um, that is that is forbidden by God because, again, it's it's the demonic realm deceiving. The dead can't speak to us. They're either in Hades or they're in heaven. They can't speak to us. And so um, it's not real. It's a computer taking that person on. And And what if you start... Like in your emotions, wanting to believe it so much, you get led. The enemy can start speaking through this AI and lead you down some road to destruction. It's very, very dangerous. I'd encourage you to stay away from that kind of stuff. The Bible forbids it for a good reason. And so I think that's going to be one of the greatest dangers I see. Where there's people that even go and talk to Jesus, they say. And they've got a Jesus that answers their questions. And basically, whoever designed this AI is going to be the morals of that Jesus. So it's not going to be yeah. biblical morals. It's going to be whatever this person that designed it said. Yeah, sure, it's okay if you leave your wife. You know, she hadn't been. She's been burning the eggs, and so let her go. And and God <laughs> understands that. Yeah, and whatever. And so it can be so dangerous. And you know, even entering into that, Pastor Mark, with that intellectual knowledge that I know this isn't my mom or my dad who died or whatever. You're giving it a certain level of credence, and. The more you listen to that, the more that credence grows. And before you know it, you're actually believing what's being said because some truth was mixed in, and that's how Satan does it. He's sharing things with you that you know to be true from the past, and that credence becomes credibility, becomes believability, and now all of a sudden you can be influenced, and you're way off course, and you didn't even see it coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's just dangerous, yeah. very, very dangerous. I think there's definitely a, a real, if nothing else, just emotional deception, but in a greater yeah. measure, demonic deception. Yeah. All right, as we get back into articles, we visit the fertile ground of growing anti-Semitism, otherwise known as Jew hate. 
highlighted for us in the book of Zechariah, chapter 12. This is from Fox News, dated December 24th. Tennis legend Martina Navratilova ripping a family in a viral anti-Semitic video uh, calling the actions, I think, of the parent yeah. uh, pathetic. But please explain what this is about, because this this is really telling, this is the type of Jewish hatred that's out there on a one-to-one basis. It really is, and you're seeing more of people that are well-known taking a stand one side or the other, because some of them are either friends with Jewish people, or they know it's wrong, or they're Jewish themselves. So this is only going to heat up for the Jewish people, which we know will happen in the last days. But tennis legend Martina Navratilova appeared to be disgusted with a video that showed a girl telling a rabbi to kill himself uh, if they had a problem with freeing Palestine. The altercation took place in Times Square in New York City. The girl in the video says she's 11 years old and lives in Canada. 11. Listen, she had to be taught that. You don't, you don't develop yeah. this kind of hatred on your own. No, you don't. It, it reminded me, Greg, there was a 13-year-old that they caught that was planning a, um, a, um, a, a shooting spree at a synagogue, and they stopped it from happening. 13. So our next generation of these young children are being brainwashed demonically against society as a whole, but especially the Jews. It's shocking to me. She's 11 years old. Uh, again, they do this in, in, in Palestine. They train them up to hate the Jews from early mm-hmm. ages. We're seeing that affecting even ours here in our country. The girl uh, or the supposed family members that she was that she was with didn't appear to have any remorse over what she told the rabbi who took the video and posted it on X. The clip received more than 7.3 million views since it was posted around 10.34 a.m. on Sunday. Pretty sad, Navratilova wrote, and the mother's laughing. It's pathetic. An 11-year-old Muslim girl with her family walked over to me, the lady said, in Times Square, told me to kill myself because I'm a Jew. I'm not making this up. You must watch this, he wrote. And then they had a, their small child kick me to humiliate me while their daughter continued to say that I should kill myself. Identify who these people are. So, again, I just, I, I look, you know, it's one thing, Greg, just, it's, our society seems to be so obsessed with hate. At least they act like they are. And there's such an open hatred right now that is spiritually driven by the Jews that so many in our society seem to have no problem with. Now, a lot of people do, to their credit, but a yeah. lot of people don't. Yeah. And, again, we're going to see this hatred grow and grow, because the Bible says it will toward the Jews and the church the closer we get to the last day. So it doesn't surprise me, but it is pathetic. Yeah, very pathetic, and uh, very much the spiritual battle, as you said. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the miry muck of pestilence, plagues, disasters, and heavy on the corruption. Yeah. Uh, This really highlights, as you wrote for us before the program, Pastor Mark, from the book of Revelation, chapters 9 and 18, uh, this is from the Washington Post, dated December 24th. Fentanyl Super Labs, plural, in Canada, posing a new threat for the U.S. opioid epidemic. Yeah, we're going to see drugs become a much greater, greater player in the last days, according to what it says in Revelation and according to what we're seeing in reality. We not only have this fentanyl that's coming across and all these other illegal drugs that are just streaming across the southern border. Great, great news. Now we have it happening in the north, and we can't prove yet that it's streaming from the north, um, the article says. But at the same time, I mean, come on, who are we kidding? Uh, if you're putting all these labs all around our border, plus the labs we have here, it's not good. And again, the thing about fentanyl is, is all it takes is a tiny, tiny amount to kill you. 
Um, you can literally pick something up that has fentanyl on it. If it's enough, you can die. That is crazy to even think about. I know. That's it, almost it, like anthrax it's to scary. me, right? It's scary stuff, man. Well, anthrax, at least with anthrax, I think you have a little bit more time. Oh, okay. They're both beyond, so it's but even I mean, quicker. I wow. think so. I think so. But it says that the rural property an hour outside of Vancouver in October, Canadian police found 2.5 million doses of fentanyl and 528 gallons of chemicals in a shipping container and a storage unit. Six months earlier, they raided a home in a cookie-cutter Vancouver subdivision packed with barrels of fentanyl, making chemicals, glassware, and lab equipment. Thousands of miles outside Toronto, police in August found what is believed to be the largest fentanyl lab so far in Canada, hidden at a property 30 miles from the U.S. border crossing at Niagara Falls, New York. Now, you know, again, just this week I was reading about somebody else that died of an overdose of fentanyl. What's happening is they're lacing this, Greg. It's, I don't, I, I don't know what fentanyl is exactly other than it, it apparently has, it's very strong and enhances the effect of the drug. They'll put it in different types of drugs, you know, but you, you can only put a tiny amount because it's, if you go too much, it kills you. And, um, so it's meant to be an enhancer to these so. drugs and they're, they don't know how to regulate it in their manufacturing of it yeah. and it ends up killing yeah. their customers. And they use it. They use yeah. fentanyl is used just as fentanyl too. Yes. They'll, just, they'll use fentanyl, but they also add it in to strengthen other drugs. And then because of that, I saw another this week, another person that died. They said their son died because again, they were just doing drugs that normally wouldn't kill you, but they put too much fentanyl. And so he's dead. And this is a warning to our parents and, and any that are listening out there that are experimenting with this kind of thing. Look, all it takes is one mistake. I know you think you're not going to be the one, but people, it is amazing how many kids we're losing. I forget what the numbers are, Greg, but we're losing a enormous amount of our, of our teens right now to fentanyl drug overdose across the nation. Um, and you know, so much so now they recommend even here at Calvary, they recommend that we have Narcan kits and we have a Narcan, at least one or two Narcan kits here. And that, that's the kits that if somebody overdoses, you can give it to them and pull them out of it if it's not too much. Um, I mean, how often do you think you need to recommend Narcan kit, you know, in, in, in your churches or whatever? That's what they're recommending. So it's really getting bad. And, and, um, it's just, and there seems to be no slowdown of it. And the bad thing is it, it, it affects everybody. Think about the culture around us, the way they act, the way they live. And even if we just accidentally come in contact with it, the way it affects us as well. So tragic uh, situation here, but again, a growing situation that we have to deal with. What success the enemy is having with stealing, killing, and destroying. Well, yeah, and you know, remember what the Bible says, get back to basics. If you yeah. turn away from God, then all the other evil just opens up the door to come in. If we, yeah. God says, if you seek me, I'll bless you. And you'll be blessed in all these things. He said, but you turn away from me, then all these plagues are going to come in. Now we're seeing all these plagues coming in because we're turning away as a nation. Not everyone, but I know as a nation, we're turning away from God. That's what's happening. Yeah. That's all right. I was ready. Could have kept going. But you just can't wait to get to church. There you That's go. That's why. There you go. Uh, this is from the Christian Post, dated December 21st. This is a, from a study. Um, you'll have to explain the study, Pastor Mark. Christian schools increased support for abortion after the row reversal. Yes, unbelievable. Uh, again, just because somebody says they're a Christian college does not mean that everybody that goes there is a Christian. Clearly, yeah. And also, Greg, the thing that's shocking to me is is that many people that say they're Christians, and even some that I think are, they've gotten so used, to, they've gotten so desensitized, desensitized. to abortion that um, it's almost like where you know some abortions okay. Do you think it's like evolution, Pastor Mark, where we've been taught evolution so much as kids through the schools that we just accept something as fact yes. and, and it's not? I do. Okay. I do. I mean, even on that particular thing, we, we know now, Greg, listen, the whole basis for evolution, not to get sidetracked, but that's, yeah. the whole basis is a single cell organism. We know that there's no such thing. We know that it's so complex now that, that Darwin's whole basis for his theory yeah. is so outdated and so proven wrong that it, it, it 
the whole idea of evolution has completely been destroyed. And and truly, the great the greatest minds will admit that now. They just yeah. don't. They have some other option. They they give whatever. But we now know that evolution is an impossibility. But the same thing is here. What happens, Gregor? This is the danger of getting used to a society that is is racked in sin. You start accepting a certain level of it. It's almost like with politics. I can't stop it completely, so we'll compromise. But you cannot compromise on morality or right and wrong. And we had something recently happen where I think even well-meaning believers um, in some of the bills that were trying to be passed here in in Tennessee, where they say, you know, well, we're going to be against abortion, but in, in rape and incest, you know, it's okay. Listen, I know that sounds okay on the surface because of how horrible the person got pregnant, but let me ask you a question. When is murder justified? Just when is that? When is it okay to murder someone? Now, it is okay for the death penalty. It's okay to put someone to death if they've done something worthy of being put to death. The Bible's clear on that. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm saying murder. Murder is the unjustified taking of a life. Yes. Uh, The death penalty is a justified taking of life. So now let me ask the question again. When is there a justified time to take a life unjustly? Never. There's never. So when you start looking at these issues of like when they say, except in the cases of rape and incest, that may sound harsh, but look, it's not that little baby's fault. You're going to go murder a baby because somebody else sinned? What's happened to our morals? We can't see right and wrong anymore. There is never a time to kill a baby ever acceptable to God, and there should never be a time acceptable to us. So when you see this kind of stuff, you realize a lot of it is desensitization. Again, I'll read some of the article. Christian colleges support for abortion and Planned Parenthood increased by 10% since 2021. And one in 10 have maintained some relationship with the America, with America's largest abortion provider, according to a study released by national pro, a national pro-life group. Students for Life of America's Dimitri Institute for Pro-Life Advancement recently assessed 767 colleges and universities affiliated with Christian churches in the United States as a part of the Pro-Life Group's Christian Schools Project. According to the survey, SFLA provided to the Christian Post, 76 of the schools investigated, or around 10%, had ties to Planned Parenthood or supported abortion. Those schools should uh, share a combined total of 185 infractions. That is, they were giving in to the abortion agenda. The study found that Christian school support for abortion appears to have increased by 10% since the 2021 study. That just shows you how the enemy not only infiltrates the church, but the enemy infiltrates these institutions. Uh, this should be shouted from the rooftops and the lecterns in all these Christian universities that murder is murder. There is never a justified time for murder. And let me say, if you were the one in that womb and that instrument was coming after you, you would want someone on the outside to be taken up for you and fighting for your rights and saying, leave that baby alone. And that's what we're trying to do when we say, don't kill these children. Don't, I wouldn't say kill. I say, don't murder these children. Um, you know, I, I just again, regardless I, of how your life was in the inception yeah. of your life. But what I'm what I'm hoping here is, Greg. What I'm hoping is is the ten percent increase we're seeing are basically those who say they're Christian and really aren't. Look, we know that many people that claim to be Christians, even in church today, they say they're believers, but they're not. Um, it's interesting in the parable of the sower. Jesus goes out and he sows, and there's there's in the hundred percent picture he gives, seventy five percent of it has an issue. Um, the first one, the birds just eat it, falls on heart, doesn't go anywhere. The second one, the thorns grow up, the other 25%. Choke it out. Yeah, the first 25%, nothing. Second 25% choked out, you know, by, by that. Um, the, the, the other 25, no, I'm sorry, the second 25%, the sun, 
bakes it and kills it quickly. It starts good, but then dies. Yes. Then the third 25% is where the, the weeds choke it out. And the last 25%, he says, this is the only crop that really produced fruit that lasted. Now, I'm not saying that means that only one out of four that hear the gospel get saved or that only 25% of mankind is saved. But that's interesting when you look at a lot of these statistics. Oftentimes I'll see that only 25%, you know, of, of Americans, you know, believe that Jesus rose from the dead and, and they believe in the Bible literally or whatever. I'll see these kind of stats and I'm going, you know what? That's right in range with the parable the Lord gave about who the true believer is and who the true believer is not. And I'm not trying to only, you know, God's the ultimate judge. I want all our listeners to know that. I'm not trying to say that I'm judging who knows the Lord and who doesn't. I'm saying, well, not everybody, Jesus said on that day when we stand before him, he, you know, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom. There's going to be those that say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and this and this and this? And he says, he's going to save them. Depart from me. I never knew you. And I think you see this 10% here. Um, I'm hoping that it's not believers that have become so tainted and, and compromised that they're not standing for the truth. I'm hoping that it's really just unbelievers who think they're saved and they're increasing in numbers at some of the Christian schools. But either way, it's always sad when you see this type of statistic. Well, our next story, Pastor Mark, uh, comes from the poll of self-identified Christians. This is from ChristianHeadlines.com. A majority of American Christians say the Bible does not influence their view of Israel. Yeah, which is really sad. Let me read some of this, and we'll talk about why it should. A majority of self-identified Christians in the United States indicate that they support Israel's action against Gaza, while only about one in four isn't that interesting? I, I didn't remember that it was one in four. Twenty-five percent say the Bible has influenced their opinions about the Jewish state, according to a new Lifeway research study. Isn't that interesting? I just made the point about the twenty-five percent that the Lord brought out in that parable. Here it says about twenty-five percent of people use the Bible to influence how they see Israel. You wonder, is that really the number of true believers as compared to the numbers that are fake? I don't know. The poll conducted by Lifeway Research and sponsored by the Philos Project found that fifty percent of self-identified Christians. Again, we want to be Christ-identified Christians, not self. If the Lord says were true yes. believers say the united states is doing the right amount to help israel while 16 percent say the u.s is not doing enough and 26 percent say it's doing too much another question 88 percent of christians in the u.s believe that israel has the right to determine their own statehood and government but far fewer christians say the bible influences their thoughts on the subject despite strong ties between some faith groups and israel now here's where the issue is greg and and i want to really emphasize this look the bible is what's going to really determine how we see everything especially the nation of israel if you do not believe the bible literally and understand that god wrote what he meant and meant what he wrote then you're not going to understand what's going on in the world prophetically you're not going to understand what's going on in the world really uh, even politically or in all these things because it shapes how you view the world if you don't think if you think that god is through with the nation of israel as some even within the church say they believe god is through with the nation of israel when god god made a promise i I will never be through with israel he said as long as the sun and moon are shining in jeremiah he said i'm still working with israel they're still my chosen people and they think because of the the rejection of jesus at the cross he's done the bible doesn't teach that at all as a matter of fact the bible says god's promises are irrevocable and and don't even fall on what the jews do it's what god did with his promises to abraham but with that said if you believe that God is through with the nation of Israel, then you're not even looking at what's happening over there today and thinking that it has anything to do with prophecy. You're just going, ah, that's just a group of Jews. They went back, they live in the land. Nothing over there really matters prophetically or biblically at all. Think of how deceptive that is. You're missing everything because all prophecy revolves around the nation of Israel. If you don't see that, you're going to totally be misled in all of your viewpoints, biblically and in a worldview. 
But if you believe the Bible literally and you believe the word of God literally, then you're going to say, okay, wait a minute. God is not done with the nation of Israel. God is bringing them back in the land in the last days. God is completing the promises that he made to them. And God's going to complete those promises as he said he would. It changes everything. The Bible comes alive. It's exactly literal as it says. You have an understanding of what's going on geopolitically as well as spiritually as in, in, in every other way. You have a proper viewpoint of the world and spiritual things. But I look at this and go, you know, hey, uh, I, I, if, if the Bible doesn't influence your view of Israel, you either don't know your Bible or you don't believe it. And again, it comes back to much of the church not being taught the word of God today. I think we're uh, oftentimes well versed in some of the main stories of the Bible. But when it comes to actually knowing the Bible, I think we're lacking. And, and, and what did the Lord say? My people perish due to a lack of knowledge. And he's talking about knowledge in his word. Yeah. So again, um, big deal here and um, very interesting, but uh, it's sad. Um, but we need to get back to the word of God. There is nobody in there, at least in the scientific community, according to the Gateway Pundit and the Western Journal. I don't know if these come from one or the other or both, but here we go again. Yeah. Scientists are proposing a radical sunshade plan to fight, quote-unquote, climate change. Greg, if I didn't know that the Lord was in control, this would terrify me to death. Yes, it would. And listen to what it says. A group of scientists have proposed building a giant space curtain. To reduce global warming and shield the Earth from solar radiation. We're messing with God's very delicate ecosystem here. Spanning as much as 4 million square kilometers, this megastructure aimed to fight climate change would be located about 1 million miles from the Earth in an area known as the Sun-Earth Langrange, one point, uh, Language 1, uh, according to the Messenger. Uh, the new site launched on Monday. The point marks the area between the sun and the earth where the combined gravitational forces of the star and planet create equilibrium that allows the spacecraft to be parked there. Upon installation, the structure could reduce the amount of heat from the sun trapped on the earth by greenhouse gases. Uh, that would, according to the messenger, uh, and listen to what they say, Greg. First of all, I talked about you're messing with God's very delicate ecosystem. If we yeah. start messing with the sunlight and the oxygen and all these things, you know, God has got it a certain way, so we survive. We're going to kill ourselves. And this may be part of the reason he said no flesh would survive if I didn't intervene. This is idiotic. I mean, this is so insane. But listen to what it says here. They admit this. According to the messenger, they said... It is unclear how such a solar curtain would affect the light Earth receives from the sun or whether blocking of the sunlight headed to the Earth would bring forth unexpected consequences. In, the, in other words, we have no idea if this may just kill everybody on the planet, but let's try it anyway. This is insanity and it's ridiculous. Now, we know that we, we rotate around the sun. Right. So different parts. So how, how I mean, how do they think they're going to position this? Curtain. Well, I guess the Earth is turning, but it still would stay, you know, in between. It would stay in between as it the rotated. Whole, you know so what we'd, I mean? we'd live in darkness the whole time. Well, it wouldn't. They're saying it wouldn't be totally dark. They don't really know what it would do. I, here's what it would do: it would do stupidity. I mean, how are we going to affect? That'd be like trying to scoot the moon a little is it bit like farther away. Light? The Earth, we're going to flood the Earth. We're going to people. Like, it's yeah. going to be. It, you, I mean, this could be so so disastrous. It's unbelievable. Is it going to be arrogance. like? Is it going to be like all day long? It feels like dusk. All I know is it's arrogant, it's foolish, yes. and we better let God be God and man be man because wow. we're going to destroy ourselves. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you want to do some, you want to do some good news? Let's end with some good news. We need it. Wrap this up here. Yes. All right. This is from Breitbart.com. More than 51,000 accept Jesus at Fellowship of Christian Athlete Events in 2023. That's amazing. It really is. And again, you know, you don't know how many of these were truly real or not real, but that's not the point. A lot of people made professions of faith. So certainly 
Lots of kids were saved. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes has a banner in the year um, had a banner in year 2023 with more than 51,000 athletes accepting Christ into their lives at the group's events. In its year-end press release, the group said that 51,730 faith decisions at its events from September of last year to August of this year had taken place. And I quote, the best gift we can give and receive at Christmas is the gift of Christ, who came to the earth to save us and to offer us all the free gift of salvation, said FCA President and CEO Shane Williamson in a statement that he told to the Christian Post. So look, again, bottom line is, whatever the number is, we know that the kingdom just, that the table got more full in the kingdom of God. We praise the Lord for that. It's, it's, God is working. He's going to be bringing in believers till the very end. And God is working in some of you today. You know, if the Lord has spoken to your heart today, even by what we've talked about, God can use this to open your eyes to the truth. And if God has done that, it's simply a matter of going to Jesus and asking him to forgive you of your sins, telling him you believe and you believing that he died for you on the cross and rose again the third day. If you ask forgiveness of your sins and repent of your sins and receive him as Lord, the Bible says you will be born again. Be a part of this 51,000. Join the kingdom of God today by that simple prayer. I, I hope you'll seriously consider that and cry out to the Lord. Amen. Pastor Mark, thank you. I hope you get to feeling better. Yes, thank and you. And I hope you folks uh, will come back and join us next Friday at 1.30 to begin 2024 looking at more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM. <laughs> 